welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. With me today, co-hosting is Darren Solden, Director of Economic Development for the Chamber. Hey, Darren. Hey, Jason. Good to be here. So we have as our guest today, um, our boss, Mark Basham. It's great to have Mark with us. Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you ended up in Manhattan, and then talk a little bit about uh, Olson and what they do. Thanks, Jason. Uh, moved to Manhattan in 1989 uh, because my wife needed to finish her degree in accounting, and I spent uh, five years with KDOT prior to that. We uh, moved back here to, and luckily worked for a firm that uh, hired me and, and spent 18 years with that firm. Uh, left that firm and spent uh, about four years uh, in land development uh, with a, another company, and he really enjoyed that. And then uh, 10 years ago, joined Olson. They were looking for somebody to run an office and, and have joined Olson in, uh, about 10 years ago. And we didn't talk about it, but you are an engineer. I am a civil engineer and graduated from K-State in 1984. And what made you decide to make engineering a career? Because nobody was going to be a doctor that I was running around with, so that's really what I wanted to do. And I became a civil engineer because you spent time outside and you weren't stuck behind a desk designing. Sounds like fun. So I worked with Olson some when I was in my Mm -hmm. career in Lincoln. That's where Olson's headquartered. Uh, Olson's a great company, but talk a little bit about what Olson in Manhattan does and and your role, uh, you said, as running the office. What do you do in that role? Well, I've got really probably three different roles that I, I run into now, or I guess uh, roles with uh, I have with Olson. One is, has always been business development, has been marketing, but also uh, office manager, but also the project manager on a lot of our bigger projects we have in the community. Olson is a full-service engineering firm uh, that we handle uh, every kind of discipline within engineering. But we mainly handle uh, the civil side of it here in Manhattan, which is a lot of the things that you see that goes underground. been doing that for all of my career, and that's basically what we do here in the Manhattan office. But we actually have other disciplines that we utilize out of other offices to assist us here. Oh, your professional experiences have obviously intersected with the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. So tell us a little bit more about your experiences with the chamber. Well, over the years, the, uh, the chamber uh, was really a, a role for, for business. And, and I, I recognized early on, I guess, as being involved with just starting with membership and, and how meeting new members and everything was really a place where we needed to be and, and, and to grow the membership as being the advocates for, for the community. So what, what does that look like over the years? Uh, committee work, um, volunteering, how, how have you been engaged? I've uh, been with membership committee, been rolled into economic development, uh, transportation committee, and I don't think there may be one or a few of the others in there, but I, I, I guess you, really a good place to start is that membership committee, and that gets you engaged in meeting the other, other people that are, uh, that are working with the chamber. And then eventually to the executive committee and into, mm-hmm. a, into a leadership role. Why don't you talk a little bit about that uh, experience? Well, it was spent two, three-year terms on, on the board and, and uh, of course, termed out at that point and spent a year off and, and then a year back on the board and then was asked to be on the exec board. And, and I guess one thing that I, I really wanted to be involved is, is just really going back to the time that I worked with Roger Schultz on 
as an engineer and him as a developer and just his being board chair of the chamber through the role through the time that I was working with him and just seeing what he was able to accomplish uh, as the goals that he had and the growth that we had through his time as being board chair I felt that that was something that really we needed a, we needed a path forward for our community and and uh, that over the last 10 years is really we needed to grow and that's a path that I felt that uh, I needed to take so you became chair this year and mm -hmm. and we uh, coronated you at the uh, January mm -hmm. annual meeting and uh, you were pretty blunt and straight about what your goals were for 2021 maybe talk about those and and where you think we are in terms of achieving some of those goals well let me go back to probably five or more years ago when we were discussing uh, or i was pointing out that we were running out of land and as an engineer and being involved with Podwatomie county and raleigh county you see land being taken up by companies uh, for expansions and and uh, and just needing additional land to to work with i started seeing that land dwindle and uh, some of the people on on uh, in the community was thinking, you know, there's no way we can spend that kind of money to go expand industrial parks. Well, we did it in the in the '90s and early 2000s, and and we've been through that over 20 years. And what's going to happen in the next 20 years? So I guess I was pretty blunt about five years ago. No path moving forward with it. So really, the, the the role of putting a voice out through uh, other members of the of the board, it started getting some traction. It's thinking, okay, we do need to move forward with getting some additional land because we have to be able to look at the next twenty years. So at uh, in January when when rolled that out, it was pretty blunt that that in order for Manhattan to change and grow and grow our property tax and grow our sales tax revenues through growth we need to be adding places where people can expand and grow in our community which we do not have right now and one of the things that you tasked us to do was look at the requests that we get from companies and darren you did that and can you kind of talk about what what our opportunities lost maybe from from not having adequate sites yeah we went and took a dive into the past year uh, a little bit more and, and looked at projects or potential projects where they came from the Kansas Department of Commerce, from university-related sources or otherwise, and, and realized that over half of those we were unable to even respond on just based off of a, a lack of a, a building or a lack of a site that met their requirements. And so I think that really armed us with some some data, some numbers to, to better understand uh, why we weren't able to be in the game on some of those. And, and I think that aligns very closely with what Mark's talking about as far as needing to look at developing those assets for the future. So we put together a building and sites task force. And, and do you feel like that group has made the kind of progress that you that you envisioned when it started or or has it been more difficult maybe than than you expected yes and no you know in in, in our industry you you just have to keep moving forward with uh with progress when you're dealing with governing bodies when you're governing it just takes longer to get something done because there's just a lot of things a lot of hoops to jump through we're making good progress, but in my mind, not fast enough. But I know that we have to we have to step back and and go through all the all the chains of command for all the organizations to get things moving forward. And we also talked about, and you talked about in your speech in January about um, population growth, and the, the census came out recently and mm -hmm. and showed 
fairly slow growth in the community, so about 0.4% a year. I know that's something you've expressed concern with as well. Well, I, when you're looking at housing, it's just, you know, I think it's the price point of the housing market that goes into Pot County. I, uh, the growth in Manhattan isn't going to have to change as far as our housing and, and so forth. We just got to find a place where we can spend less on land and, and uh, spend less on infrastructure and get out of the rock. And, and that is very few and far between in Riley County that it will have sewer services and water services for our uh, for that new development. You know, you can contribute the growth as to the cost of development, and that is the, the, the more land that is in Pot County that makes it easier to develop and less cost to build a home. So I, I think that, yes, we can change that, but it's going to be very hard to do for Riley County. You talked some about the importance of, of- – growth and development and, and planning for those assets in the future. Um, why is that important to the average average chamber member or the average business owner in Manhattan? Well, serving on the Parks and Rec Advisory Board, we have, you know, have learned that, you know, you, you're not opening up a pool uh, because of revenue. Uh, Parks and Rec is funded through the general uh, uh, fund, and that general fund is not growing. And so in order to cut costs you have to cut services and you have to grow those you have to grow that base of of revenue and the only way to do that is through growth of uh, the business industrial commercial development and inviting new companies in the town that's how you're going to grow that and which adds our amenities we're a town that wants amenities but amenities cost a lot of money to fund and it takes new people to to run them and we have to open up these facilities by hiring people. Well, that's been something that's been exciting for us to help take the lead on and appreciate your leadership as well. You mentioned about your time with the membership committee and, and different roles in the chamber. Talk a little bit more just about why the chamber is important to our, our business community and, and why folks should get involved. The chamber is your voice. Uh, it, anybody that's out there that has a business that has lobbyists for your business is the voice for your company. Uh, in the engineering world, we have lobbyists that lobby for engineering, for art, for what we do as a general keeping licensure and keeping everything under check. The chamber does that role for, for you, you as a business in our community. Uh, I think that we've done a very good job by, on a lot of things. Uh, it's in the business's best interests, and I think we win some. I think we tie, and I think we lose on some. And I think that's just the role of the nature of the chamber. If you're not a member which pays the salaries of the chamber as your lobbyist, then you're then you can't complain about not having your voice heard. So being a member helps uh, pay for that. So you've obviously been engaged in leadership roles at the chamber for the last several years. What are some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of during that period? Well, I I, I guess I really don't know how to answer that because there's a lot of things that maybe I just I wasn't directly involved with. I, I think that the uh, revision of hype or the uh, that's probably not the right word probably the 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 restructure of the young professional group I think is very good as as you have young professionals coming into the into the industry into the business ownership. We, we have to get them acclimated as to how this works and how the system works. And I think that's something that we have uh, really a lot to do. Uh, we have spent a lot of time doing that. So if you had one thing you wanted the public to know about the chamber that maybe people don't know, what would that be? 
there's a lot of things that are going behind the scenes that you don't even know about. I think the chamber is pedaling like crazy, like a duck in, in water, and there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes that you don't even know about, which is good. Uh, there's a lot of things that I didn't know the chamber did, and uh, that's on your behalf. So uh, I think it's something that uh, uh, they are doing a great job in, in fulfilling the assets of this community. Well, Mark, thank you for your leadership this year. Thank you for joining us today on the Thank MHK podcast, and we look forward to finishing the rest of 2021. Thank you. Glad to be here. The Thank MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. Welcome back to the Think MHK podcast. With me for this segment is Charlotte Meisenheimer. Hey, Jason. How are you today? I'm awesome. Good. With us today is the proprietor of one of my favorite establishments in Manhattan, Mr. Alan Parker with Bork Brothers. Hey, Alan. How are you all doing today? Not too bad. Hey, talk a little bit about Bork Brothers and how you all got started. Well, Bork Brothers is a uh, menswear and formal wear retail store with uh, doing a little bit of ladies specialty items every once in a while. We sell everything from socks and underwear to custom-made suits and everything in between. Uh, we've been in business now for 42 years in Manhattan, and Manhattan has been very good to us. I'll put it that way. Talk about when did you move to Manhattan? I moved to Manhattan in 76, 1976, went to K-State, was on the five-year plan, <laughs> and uh, had too much fun, I guess, one or two years. So, But uh, went to work when I was a senior in college with Fred Bork. He had just bought the store. He had a whole week's experience on me at that time. You know, two farm boys doing something we probably shouldn't be doing, but it came out all right. So Fred tells the story of, of finding you in as a bartender and uh, and asking you if you'd be interested in going into business with him. Talk talk about that conversation and, and what went through your mind while that was going on. Uh, yes, I bartended at the original Mr. Case in Aggieville. Really? And uh, he came in one night, and it was – about close of time and he was wondering what he was doing out so late and he uh, said he just bought a business and said it was a I said what what'd you buy and he said a men's clothing store and I said you don't know anything about that because that makes two of us because you're coming to work for me and I said well really <laughs> and uh, went down and interviewed the next afternoon from there the rest is history almost we started on third and Humboldt our front doors are pretty much where the malls north doors are now in 1986, we moved out to West Loop, and in 2005, we moved to uh, Setchall Commons, where we're at now. So, good retail center out there. So, obviously, you learned the clothing business quickly. Uh, how did you, how did you go about doing that? Basically, we knew we had to wear clothes, and that was about it. But uh, we had retained a uh, manager from the previous store, which was a men's clothing store, Cunningham Shields, and uh, he taught us all he could do and a couple of us are a little stubborn at times but we learned the business uh get to know the fabrics the lines salesmen's help you an awful lot that's uh why we uh probably survived we had some really good sales reps at the time that helped us along and told us what we we're doing right and wrong so when you talk about that talk about what's your number one satisfaction that you get now from being a business owner 
probably just from seeing the, the growth of the community, the growth of the business, meeting the people. I mean, Manhattan's a very fluid town almost compared to a lot of them with the university. Got a whole new crop of freshmen coming in every year. Um, military guys come and go all the time. We got we got we have people from all over the state. Uh, we've actually sold merchandise overseas, Puerto Rico, China. We've sold uh, people who have bought it from us in England, everywhere. So they started here with you, and then they moved because they're fluid, and then with, they're like, hey, you're my guy. I need this suit at this time, and you mm-hmm. ship it. Yep. We do have a website now, which it makes it easier for them, <laughs> akstatesman.com. It's mainly K-State wear, but we're slowly and gradually getting the entire store on there. So, so somebody that walks into Borg Brothers, what kind of experience are they going to have when they walk in? Uh, I guarantee they will be greeted, and they will be treated to the best customer service there is. And so what can they expect in terms of product for those that haven't been in? Product is going to be what they would classify in the industry as moderate to upper moderate. You know, you're going to have suits that run anywhere from 295 to 795 You're going to have uh, sportswear lines like Johnny O, Cool, Cutter and Buck, you know, Seven Diamonds. They're all, you know, and shirts and things anywhere from $50, $60 to, you know, you can go to the limit. We can custom make whatever you want. And, and lots of K-State ton of k-state stuff yeah half our store is purple it, it is you have to adjust your eyes a little bit when you walk <laughs> in to make sure you're seeing correctly but everybody can see purple well yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with being half purple in the store so so talk about when you joined the chamber what made you join the chamber what has that been like for you and you've been a member with us for a long time yeah i'm not exactly sure uh, it was 19 early 80s somewhere in there i think and uh, we needed it to make the business connections with other business people we wanted to be on the forefront of knowing what's going on in the community and at time and now also the chamber has its footprint in everything not everything I shouldn't say but they are aware of what's going on and that's what we wanted we wanted to get exposure to the entire community so and one of the things that you were involved in at least when I got here uh, you delivered a lot of first dollars to businesses over the years talk about that experience Yes, uh, I was a chamber ambassador for two or three years. We was, the program been running forever. I don't know how long. I was one of the last members, I think, brought on, and, and uh, we would deliver the first dollars to new businesses, uh, businesses that remodeled, businesses that relocated. That was always a fun job. They liked their first dollar pure profit. And, and of course, Charlotte, we still have that program. We do, absolutely. And, and, Samantha and, Ellison runs that right now. Yeah, so. For members and non-members. That's correct. So. Um, so you were recently named Small Business of the Year by the Chamber, and we had, a, had an awards banquet in August. And uh, talk about how you felt not only being nominated, but ultimately uh, winning that award. Yeah, I guess when I first heard about the nomination, I thought, wow, we must really impress somebody <laughs> who actually took the time and effort to nominate us and appreciate whoever that was. I think Manhattan, with what I think nine out of every ten businesses, is a small business, and I don't know how many businesses are actually here but nine out of ten is not bad and to be one of the top ones in that category uh, is quite an honor Uh, i'm sure there's a lot of them that deserve it more but we'll take it it was wonderful and and of course charlotte we have most of the chamber is small business correct that's right so over 85 percent of all of our businesses um the, the members of the chamber have 25 or less employees so we fit in our seven 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you fit in very well there. Yes. Ellen, so you talked about the first dollars and how cool that was to deliver that meet meet the new business owners. What advice do you have for someone who's like, I'm ready to step out and I I want to I want to start a business or I want to purchase a business because maybe they're not the bartender that someone's coming to and saying, <laughs> "Hey, I want you." Uh, do your homework on what you're going to sell, obviously. Uh, see if Manhattan doesn't already have 10 of them or something like that. And more things we hear, things we hear more than ever are the customer service related items. A, we have people call us and come back to us for weddings. Unfortunately, we're on our second generation of weddings. We've done mother and father's weddings. Now we're doing their kids' weddings. So, but that's all because of, I think, customer service. You got to be there. They want to see the owner. They want to visit with not just a employee they want to visit with an owner or or somebody who has great knowledge of the business which my employees are all wonderful the shortest one's been with me for seven eight nine years they're all great clothiers probably better than me because they knew the business <laughs> i know the business in better than i know the clothing in and we've got uh, bill loman larry hine bill bishop they know the business the clothing end of it and uh, bill's probably one of the best clothiers in the midwest well, I can tell you somebody who's purchased had to purchase a suit recently for a wedding and and then uh, a few other things. Um, the be- we do, you do get incredible service at Borg Brothers and a great product. Well, we fortunately have a great tailor too, Erin Smith. She is very good. We've she outgrew our tailor shop in a hurry. We had to open up a new one, so it seems. And she is just busy all the time. You got to have a great tailor if you're going to offer it for free. All right. Yeah, good. I mean, just like you did. Uh, my husband just pers- he bought a suit last year for our daughter's wedding, and then was just in there a couple of days ago, like you said, and mm-hmm. um, picking up a couple of pieces for his best friend, um, getting getting remarried. So that's kind of fun. There you go. But what is the? You have to have a customer story. Like, what is your all-time best customer story? Oh wow, um, George Giles. I don't know if you know him. He played professional baseball in the with the Kansas City Monarchs. He comes in and he's about six two maybe, and he wanted to know if we carried extra longs. And I said, Sir, we don't. We do, but you don't need one. And he stuck his arm out, and it must have been forty eight feet long. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think he had a. 40, 41-inch arm span. I mean, he said, I get that from throwing too many baseballs. Ever since, he was quite a character. He would come in and just sit there and visit. And uh, there's, yeah, I could talk all day about customer stories, but most of them good. Yeah, I was going to say, some, some, some might pay you not to tell those stories. Yeah, so. <laughs> there's a couple. Okay. Um, so, Alan, we are going to go to a segment that we're calling Rapid Fire Questions. Okay. And so uh, I will fire these off. And as you answer them, then we will move on to the next one. So we have 10 questions. Okay. Uh, no time limit, but remember the name of the game is Rapid Fire. So we'll go as quick as we can. So number one, something people often find surprising about you. That I grew up on a farm outside of Waterville, town of about 800 people. What is your pet peeve? People walking on the wrong side of the street. Supposed to walk facing traffic. It just, <laughs> nobody does anymore. What is your guilty pleasure? Oh, that'd have to be a cookie bake at Mr. K's. Oh. <laughs> and what is your favorite holiday? That's Christmas. All about family. What is your favorite snack? Oh, potato chips. Has to be. Yep. Okay. What TV sitcom family would you want to be part of? That would have to be uh, Last Man Standing. 
Last man standing. Yeah. Right. That's just fun. <laughs> Favorite flavor of ice cream? Does that be a flavor or type? <laughs> How about um, Turtlet Cyclone at Vista? Wow. It's okay. not a flavor, but it is good. All right. Let me guess I'll go out and get one of those now. First and favorite concert, and they don't have to be the same thing. Uh, first concert was BTO for those young people, Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> favorite one? Probably the Beach Boys, first time I saw them. Uh, what's your favorite meal? Well, Cindy says it's a brown plate. <laughs> Everything brown and gravy on it. <laughs> that's always good. All right. Steak and potatoes. That's There you go. So if you're going to have that meal and you can have it with any four people in the world, who's on that invite list? thought about this, and I, the shows that I watch, and they're not all that, but, you know, uh, Reba McIntyre, Alan Jackson, uh, Tim Allen, and Dalton Reisner, because portray a family or giving or whatever. And uh, Dalton's a friend of mine, and he's all about kids' foundations. And he's doing very well with it. Awesome. Well, and you survived Rapid Fire. <laughs> you survived Think MHK podcast. We appreciate you being on with us today. Congratulations on your Small Business of the Year Award, and thank you for being a Chamber member. Well, thank you, and thank the Chamber, and thank Manhattan for keeping us here this long. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.